Hello again, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith, your host on Pursue What Matters, and today we are talking about an issue that is, oh, it's a hard one. We are talking about work-life balance. Is it even possible? I know what you're thinking. Wow, you're really selling me on this entire podcast. (laughs) But trust me, you will want to listen because this is a really important topic and I I want to help you think about this topic in a new way and really think about how you can cultivate a work-life balance that makes sense for you and your life and your family. Most people say that it isn't actually possible, but is it? Join me. Let's jump in and find out together. What does it mean to love and work well? And how do I pursue what truly matters? Working at the intersection of business and psychology, I help you answer these questions and more so you can focus priorities, inspire change, lead with courage, and live with more joy today. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. Today, we are going to talk about work-life balance and what it looks like in your life. So this is a big topic. This is, I feel like I've been hitting my head against this topic my entire career as a, as a woman trying to balance work and life. So we hear so much about the importance of work-life balance, but are we chasing an elusive dream? Is it even possible to achieve work-life balance as a busy leader navigating many roles? So work-life balance, when we hear that, it really implies the balance of time and energy between work and personal pursuits. And I don't know that that, that that it's ever looked like that for me, definitely, I don't think it has. So in, in an interview with one of the greats, Martha Stewart, she said on work-life balance, she said it did not work for her. She says, it's one of the most difficult things to do, that balance, which is so elusive to most of us. It didn't work for me. I thought, oh, I can do it. I can do all of that. I had to sacrifice a marriage because of the lure of the great job. It's impossible for most of us to get that balance. Okay, well, if Martha can't do it, can anyone? And Kathleen Gerson, so she's a sociology professor at NYU, she said the expectation is to be 100% present in both work and our personal lives is stronger today than it ever was before. So think about that. There's even more pressure to be 100% present. And rather than restructuring organizations and institutions to fit a more blended work-life economy, Expectations for both have dug deeper, often forcing working women to take on the burden of the second shift of housework and childcare after their day jobs. And then let's hear a little bit from Sheryl Sandberg. Of course, she is the COO of Facebook and author of Lean In and also of Option B. And Earlier in her career, she said she really encouraged women to go after the big jobs and the big challenges and said that doing so would be good for their careers and their families and said that, you know, you should really lean in and keep your foot on the gas pedal in terms of career. Um, 
because if it turns out and you do that, you might get promoted and you might make enough money to afford childcare and you might have a more interesting job and you might get promoted to a level where there's more flexibility. So her argument at that point was to keep your foot on the gas pedal for a career because it would it would earn you more um, money, which would equal more earning potential and more ability to provide childcare and flexibility. So then a few years after that book was published, so that was in Lean In, a few years after she published that book, she came out and apologized specifically to single mothers on Mother's Day. And she said this, before I did not quite get it. I did not really get how hard it is to succeed at work when you are overwhelmed at home. And of course, if you know the backstory of Sheryl Sandberg, when she wrote Lean In, she was married and then her husband of many years died tragically while they were on vacation and so she became a single mother and of course Sheryl Sandberg as COO of Facebook has a a lot of privilege and a lot of um, access to financial support and resources that many many working women do not have and so for her to come come back around and really acknowledge the fact that boy you know she she was missing something I think was really humble of her so for her to be such a strong proponent of this idea of pursue career like make it happen it'll all work out and then really coming back with a counterbalance I think it I think it's a a good reality check and of course the question remains can you actually have work-life balance so of course one problem may be that we're trying to achieve the impossible so Rachel Hollis of course she's really popular right now she's got she's got some great content out there she's the author of the New York Times bestseller girl wash your face and girl stop apologizing so she's very open about her strong opinion that work-life balance is a myth so this is what she says more than that it's a hurtful myth because I don't think anyone actually achieves it and yet we feel positive that other women somehow have so when we feel off balanced and we're struggling to keep all our balls in the air we assume it's just because we haven't figured out work-life balance. So it becomes one more thing you're failing at as a mom beyond forgetting it was weird and wacky hair day at school and buying the wrong kind of yogurt. Ugh. She goes on, I detest anything that makes women feel wrong or less than. So allow me to debunk this ridiculous myth. Work-life balance. Its description implies that those two things live in harmony, perfectly divided up on the scale of your life. My work and home life have never, ever been balanced evenly on any level. Work and personal life will always battle each other for supremacy because both require your full attention to be successful. It's not bad or wrong. It's just how life works. So really, you know, very strong view there. I think 
there's a lot about what she says there that is so refreshing. And I think what's really important about what Hollis says is first of all the pressure or the perception that apparently some women feel that they're the only ones that haven't figured out the work-life balance. Um, Because I I would say that is a dangerous belief if that is accurate. And and I don't know. Like, I don't know if it is accurate. I've always been a working mother, a working woman. And when I talk about this with my friends who are working mothers and our working women, I feel like we're all pretty honest about the fact that it is a lot to juggle and that there's no right way to do it and definitely don't feel like everyone else has it figured out. So perhaps it's the circles we move in as well. So I think what is true is there needs to be a lot of generosity and encouragement, especially among women. So Arlie Hochschild, who is a sociologist and researcher, so she has She's probably the first researcher to really write extensively on this topic, and her landmark book was titled The Second Shift, in which she investigated the double burden experienced by late 20th century employed mothers. And she found that not always, but most of the time, in dual career homes, so right, husbands and wives both having careers, women were still taking care of most of the household and childcare responsibilities, despite their entrance into the labor force. So basically, women were coming home from their careers and starting their second shift right when they enter their home with childcare, house, household responsibilities. And Hochschild found, unsurprisingly, that when the second shift was split evenly between both partners, everyone was happier and we have seen over time so right her research was mostly in the late 20th century so it's a bit dated now but we what we are seeing is that there is more equitable balance in those responsibilities and that it does lead to happier marriages and greater satisfaction which is no big surprise one of the things that i found and this is something my husband and i we've we've always been dual career dual school everything like that and so this has been a tension i would say that we've navigated our entire marriage and one of the things earlier in our marriage that we addressed was first of all we always had a really good split on tasks so if he had more availability he would pick up more of the tasks at home. And if I had more availability, then I would pick up more of the tasks at home. So there was never like this 50-50 split or anything like that, that it it was really based on what was happening and what were the needs and what was the availability. And so in that way, it was very equitable, although it wasn't necessarily a 50-50 split. But one of the issues that we came across uh, probably like 10 years maybe into our marriage was this idea, and Hochschild and others have also spoken to this in their research, is this idea around responsibility for the tasks. And so an example of that is to say, and, and this was actually a conversation that I had with my husband. I'm like, you're great at doing the laundry if I ask you to do the laundry. And like, that's awesome. And we'll take care of the laundry and he'll fold it and put it away and everything like that. But, um, but how often will you think, hey, the laundry needs to get done. 
and start a load of laundry without me asking. And so in a very real way, many women in the home are still carrying the responsibility for the household tasks, even if the tasks are more equitably shared within the home. And so that is one of the that is one of the continuing legacies of the second shift that we're seeing. And I will say after that conversation that we had probably like uh, probably like 10 years into our marriage, I don't recall it's all a blur at this point. I'm happy to say that we actually did see that shift in our relationship where I can absolutely say that my husband takes probably more responsibility for household tasks and that sort of thing than I do. And like, I, I feel deeply grateful for that, but recognize that that's not necessarily the norm for a lot of couples. So let's also look at a Harvard Business School survey where 94% of service professionals put in 50 plus hours of work a week and that 26% of this work was done after hours. So right, if we're thinking about when they're working, they're working after hours, which is really intruding on family life. So where is where is the room for work-life balance? Is it possible? Are we doomed for failure? I think it can feel really daunting. Okay, so before you give up hope and you know, throw in the towel. I want to walk you through this exercise and then I'm going to have a freebie for you. So I hope that you will actually take the time and go through this exercise. So this is called a role balance um, exercise. And so I will kind of walk you through it, but just know that you can get the freebie for this and download the freebie where we have it out on a great template and you'll have my example. So the one that I'm gonna walk you through today, you can have that example and then we'll have a great template for you so you can go through this exercise for yourself. And I really hope you will because I think it can be very helpful for you as you consider your own role balance. Okay, so the first thing I want I want you to think about is we have a piece of paper and you draw a circle in the middle of it and then you write your name in the middle of that circle. So now from that circle, you draw lines out and connect them to smaller circles. And within those smaller circles, I want you to identify roles that you function in in your life. So for instance, in my middle circle, it would have my name, Melissa. And then in some of my smaller circles, it would include some of my different roles. So maybe in one circle, it would include entrepreneur, although I can never spell that. So maybe I wouldn't put that. Um, it would also, in another circle, it would include mother. In another circle, it would include power lifter. In another circle, it would have leadership coach. In another circle, sister in another circle psychologist in another circle friend so right you can fill up as many circles as you want with different roles that you fulfill in your life so now if you're like me you have a lot of different roles that you operate in in your life so that can feel a little overwhelming once you do that once you see all of those circles but now underneath each circle so you might have to write kind of small I want you to make a list of functions 
in each of these roles. So if we think about like under psychologist, I would identify some of the functions that I operate under as a psychologist. So I might list individual therapy. I might list intake assessment. I might list supervision. I might list team meetings. So that kind of gives you an idea. And you think about what are some of the activities or the things that you do or the responsibilities that are included with that role. And you can just make a little bullet list under each circle. So I, I think what this can help you with, first of all, it's a lot of stuff that you're doing and it's a lot of emotional and cognitive and physical energy that you're managing on a day-to-day basis. And now, of course, the assumption is that you can balance all of that. Um, so, of course, I want you to download this freebie. I think it's really good. I think it can be really instructive for you and really help you develop a greater appreciation for the many roles that you balance every day because this this is the truth. I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for everything that we're already doing. And so it's very easy, especially as women, for us to really get down on ourselves. And kind of like Rachel Hollis said in the quote that I shared, that we assume everyone else has it figured out and that they're just like, gliding through life, doing everything marvelously. And it's easy for us to be like, like, it's not that hard. Like, I don't know why I can't pull this all together. But when you really stop and take a look at all of these roles and all of these functions and responsibilities, I think it can really help you have a greater appreciation for everything that you do. And I think it's also a very useful tool for determining how you might want to shift some of that balance and perhaps make adjustments and really look at, okay, how many of these roles and how many of these functions or responsibilities are really essential. So I really hope that you will download that freebie and take the time to do the role balance exercise. Okay, so in addition to that freebie, I also I want to give you some really helpful solutions as we think through this issue of work-life balance. So the first thing is I would I would invite you to shift your focus. So to a focus on integration and harmony more than on a perfect balance of time because the reality is you will never have a perfect balance of time between your roles. And if that's your expectation, you will inevitably be frustrated because there's absolutely no way to do that perfectly. And obviously, and if this isn't obvious, then it will be by the end of this podcast. Perfection is not the goal and it's not even realistic. So we really want you to focus instead on harmony and integration integration is the name of the game. So what helps you to feel at peace when you are at home? What helps you what helps you to to do your work well and to be focused when you are at work? What pieces need to be in place at home 
so that you can be focused at work? And what do you need in place at work so that you can be focused and present at home? So that's what we're that's what we want to think about in terms of this integration. So for me, I really try to keep work at work and home at home. Otherwise, I find myself too distracted. So in general, I try to take care of at-home tasks when I'm at home so that when I'm at work, I can be totally focused on work. If I'm mentally in mom mode while also navigating my role as a psychologist or business owner or leadership coach, what I have found is I become very ineffective very, very quickly. And the reality is, I can't always make this happen. Um, so when, you know, if I have to, if I have to take care of like at home tasks while I'm at work, I try to batch these tasks and bookend them so that, you know, for example, I might take 10 minutes before my workday starts to send an email to my child's math teacher or to call in a prescription or to set up lawn care. But I really try to limit that to 10 minutes. And if if any of those tasks are going to take longer than 10 minutes, then they'll just have to wait. So really bookend those, batch them, and time limit those. And the same thing at home. So resist the urge to add in um, at-home tasks in between your work tasks and vice versa. So this involves task switching, which requires a lot of mental energy. It's very, very inefficient. And the research around multitasking indicates that we're just not that good at it. So we all tend to believe that we can multitask and women especially think they're really good multitaskers. But the research on this is very clear that we multitasking is not a thing, <laughs> that we can't multitask and we're very in, ineffective at it. And task switching, which involves moving from one activity to another. So whether it's like, okay, you check an email and then you start writing a document and then you switch back to email or you take a call, that this task switching, it it churns up a whole lot of mental energy and it makes it much more difficult to concentrate and to regain your focus and attention. And so as much as possible, you want to avoid the task switching. And so if you can do what you need to do to bookend and batch those tasks so that you can really be focused and be where you're at. So a few weeks ago, I did um, a podcast on presence. So you might want to go back and listen in on that because I think there are some great recommendations there for you. Okay, so now let's talk about solution two. So pay attention to the balance of time over weeks, not hours and days. So if you are hyper-focused on your balance of time over hours and days, you will feel really frustrated and you will feel like you're, you're never gonna find balance. And the reality is that some of your work weeks will be ugly, especially if you have work travel, project deadlines, and big conferences. That is just the reality of work life. And if you're not careful, you can succumb to guilt 
and overwhelm if you're using these times to measure your sense of life balance. And so as much as possible, we really want you to resist this urge. And so I want you to pay attention to patterns over weeks and months. So if you notice that you are often having to make accommodations for big projects or last minute deadlines or last minute travel plans, it may be time to talk to your supervisor about how work is being managed and what can be expected in terms of predictability, right? Because if you're always having to make significant adjustments because things aren't being planned well or because there's always a crisis at work, then you probably want to visit with the powers that be about that. So noticing patterns over time can help you identify where you might need to course correct or focus your efforts more effectively. It might be your issue. You might need to manage your time better at work. You might need to manage your deadlines better. You might need to manage your project tasks better. You also might find as you pay attention to this that you need to advocate for yourself better. You might need to set some boundaries at work. I think this is a big one, especially if you tend to be a people pleaser. People ask you to do the travel because they know you'll always say yes. And so you might need to advocate for yourself. You might need to say no to some of the travel. And so you need to be very clear about what are your responsibilities and are some of these unpredictable requests or last minute requests, like are they reasonable and are they things that you should plan on and can expect moving forward because it's really hard to find any sort of balance or predictability if you have these types of things being thrown at you constantly and you might need to limit activities that don't advance your progress so for example these last minute travel opportunities that sort of thing So now let's talk about solution three. So set deadlines for yourself. And an example of this would be time deadlines. So for example, when you leave the office. So margin creep is a real thing. We all know that. And you really need to protect against this. Otherwise, work can intrude on your personal life in really big ways. I think a part of this that we don't always talk about is this idea that work is obviously demanding. We all know that, but it's also very rewarding and you're probably very good at it. And so it feels good to get things done, which isn't always the same at home, (laughs) right? Parenting is difficult and parenting doesn't have the same kind of rewards as uh, work does. So I have a really great friend that I work with and she teases that she will often wait to leave work until she is confident that her husband has put her children to bed (laughs) so she she doesn't have to face the chaos of putting her four children to bed. And like we laugh about that and it's so funny. But how many of us parents can really relate to that sentiment? 
I know I can. Um, I'd much rather solve a work problem and get props from my colleagues. Uh, My kiddos only complain when I tell them it's time to go to bed. And so I think that's something that we also need to be pretty honest about for ourselves is recognizing that with work, there are more visible Um, rewards you know we do get encouragement we do get the raises we do get props and at home that's not always the case and so if we're not careful sometimes we will we will unwittingly take more and more time at work because we feel more of a sense of control we feel more confidence we're needed there where we feel more comfortable there i feel much more confident in the work setting at times than i do at home and so recognizing that that might be a vulnerability area for yourself and set deadlines for yourself and be intentional about your values to be able to say okay i i want to be at home with my family even though It feels chaotic and even though there's not a handsome reward at the end of the day and hold yourself to that commitment. Solution four, build in transition time and rituals. So this is a big one. This is also one of my favorite ones. So this reminds me of when I was growing up. So my mother was always a working mother. So I never have memory of her not being a working mother because when I was, I think, one one month old, she went from being a stay-at-home mom to needing to work full-time due to becoming a single mother. And so she she always worked as far as I was concerned and so I remember every day when she came home from work I mean we were like rabid dogs I mean like it's like we attacked her at the door and I think we were just like excited to see her and excited to tell her about our day and like we're like kids like we have we have all these needs and of course she had just been working Um, all day and she was a leader and had a lot of responsibility and I'm sure she was exhausted and like every day she would say just give me five minutes I just need five minutes to myself and she would go into her room and change her clothes and I often remember standing right outside her door her closed bedroom door waiting for her during those five minutes and I just I think back and I'm like oh my goodness I feel so bad for her because I was like I was waiting outside her door like a ravening wolf but for for many of us as moms we walk in the door from home from work and we don't have much transition at all so earlier in my career when I worked at uh, University of Michigan I had an hour-long commute and I was not a fan of that commute I didn't I didn't like it because it was an hour that I was in a car but what I did find was that it provided me a really great transition it helped me to fully transition from the work day to home. And so sometimes I would listen to talk radio. Sometimes I would listen to podcasts. Sometimes I would reflect on 
my day. Sometimes I would call a family member, but it really provided this space and this time for me to fully transition and be prepared to come home. And so after that year of commuting, I was so over the commute. And so when we moved to Utah, I said, I don't, I don't care where we live as long as I don't have a commute. And so I worked five minutes away from where we lived, which was awesome. I didn't have the commute, but what I found is I had zero transition. And so I would land at home and I was still trying to process my day. And that was problematic for me. And so I've had to build in some transition rituals for myself. So I did not build in a commute. I still work like three or five minutes away from home. And I love not having a commute, but I have had to build in some transition rituals for myself to kind of help me with that mental and emotional transition. So do you remember the days of school? So before the school year started, every year we would go on a big shopping trip and my parents would buy us school clothes for the new school year and it was like a brand new wardrobe for the school year and it was so exciting I remember that those were those were always a big deal and so for the first few months of school every day after school as soon as I get home I'd go to my room and change out of my school clothes and put on my after school clothes, which of course were my play clothes that I could run around in, get dirty in and be comfy in. While I still do that today, that is one of my transition rituals. So the first thing I do when I get home from work is put on my after school clothes. They are really comfy. That's definitely the first requirement. And they help me transition home both physically and mentally. These after school clothes really act as a signal to me telling me the work day is over, it's time to relax and enjoy your time with your family. So this may seem really silly, but I love this little ritual of mine. So maybe you have a ritual that helps you transition or maybe you'd like to try one out. So it can really help you to be more present if you take the time to build in transitions and include some sort of transition ritual. So there's all, there's all sorts of fun ideas out there, but the, the key is do something that works well for you. Solution five. So we wanna focus on flexibility and fluidity over rigidity and rules. So we don't have any time for rigidity and rules. So first of all, with that, let go of the superwoman complex that you should be able to do it all. And I really want you to know you have nothing to prove. (laughs) So being able to balance these many roles doesn't make you more worthy somehow. So let's take your self-worth out of the equation, which then really frees you up to focus on your top priorities. And don't try and do it all by yourself. There's no glory in that. There's no glory in that. It's It's just very stressful. So you will likely need to let go of your expectations of how things should be done. And I think this is a big one for a lot of women. We kind of get rigid about how we think 
things should be done. And if you want balance, if you want harmony, if you want integration, you're going to have to relinquish your control. You're going to have to let go of some of your expectations. So work-life balance really is an invitation to overcome perfectionism and the illusion of control. And the truth is control is just that. It is just an illusion. So rigidity and rules have to go out the window. If you're rigid, you will break. I promise you that. You will break. So we want you to let go of tasks and responsibilities that don't work for you while you hold on to your values, right? So you want to hold on to your values, but we want you to let go of tasks and responsibilities and rules that don't serve you. So for example, I don't cook. I mean, I can cook. My husband would probably argue with that, (laughs) but I don't enjoy it. I really don't enjoy it. And it's so inefficient. And honestly, like if I'm honest about it, I would just say I hate it. I just, there's nothing about it that I like. But I do value having home cooked meals and I really value having family dinners. So that's where my value lies. Lucky for me, my husband really enjoys cooking and I think it was survival because when we first got married, I was like, I can hold out longer than you. <laughs> um, so he he needed to learn how to cook and actually he, he came to the marriage knowing how to cook because his, his mother is, is a lovely cook and, and taught him to cook growing up and so he always really enjoyed it and so I've been really fortunate because he enjoys cooking and so early in our marriage we negotiated family dinner and so he cooks and I clean up of course with the kids they um they're learning to cook from him and they're also um learning to clean up I say learning loosely from me so in this way we are holding to our values while also letting go of specific tasks that don't work for us of course not everyone has a partner who loves to cook but one of my friends she splits meal prep with her husband so they're both sharing the responsibility and the the key here when we think about flexibility and fluidity is that there are lots of ways to fulfill tasks while holding on to your values. And so if we think about having clarity about your values or your purpose, but flexibility about the path. So if you caught the first podcast, which was all about pursuing what matters, that's exactly what I talked about there. So if you haven't listened to that, go back to episode one and catch that. So with this, of course, flexibility and fluidity between roles is the name of the game. So you're more focused on what works than on what is right or what is expected. And there are many acceptable options for dinner. I have learned that and my children have learned that. So, you know, my husband does shift work. And so there's there are a lot of nights that he's actually not available to make dinner and so we have learned that cold cereal and toast and takeout and frozen pizza like all of these work for dinner and so you got to be flexible and recognize that there are lots of ways to make family life work but you've got to be willing to let go of rigid rules and expectations and 
this is where we get to solution number six and it's probably like the most important one is you got to be willing to let go of guilt and judgment that's huge so choose compassion over guilt and judgment for yourself and for others so a couple things that can help with this is really catch yourself with the should statements any black and white statements any all or nothing thinking so be wary of support people who send these types of messages to you you don't have any time for people who are judging you you just don't have time for it Women especially are notoriously hard on themselves and other women. But this is the thing. As women, we usually judge one another in areas where we feel we are lacking. So if you find yourself being critical of another woman in a specific area, get your mirror out because that is probably the area where you are feeling most vulnerable. So it is a mirror to your own work. So instead of judgment, try compassion, compassion for yourself, compassion for others, and remind yourself that you are doing the best you can, and so is everyone else. And this is the other thing. If in an honest assessment of yourself, you recognize you're not doing the best you can, then use that assessment to do better. Recognize that you can't do it all, that change happens in small steps, and take one step to do a little bit better in one area. So solution number seven, I hope you're keeping track here. Be grateful for the gifts while resisting resentment. Yes, you are navigating a lot of complexity. Anytime you're holding multiple roles, you have a lot of complexity. Yes, it is challenging. Yes, it can be stressful. You're right, not everyone understands and there are some in your world who fundamentally misunderstand you and may even judge you. Oh well. (laughs) Someday I'll tell you about my letters. You don't need everyone in your world to understand you. And if you try and make them understand, I promise you it will only make you miserable. Because first of all, you don't have that power. You can't make them understand. They probably don't want to understand anyway. And it will be a waste of your time and energy. So instead, be grateful for the gifts of your path. I have a good friend who is a very accomplished research professor, and she works with a lot of male colleagues. So her work days look very different from theirs. So when she is at work, I put that in quotes because she's kind of always working. But when she's at work on campus, she is laser focused on her writing because it is a time where she can be more free of the family distractions. And so it's really good writing time for her, which of course writing takes, especially scholarly writing, takes a lot of focus and concentration. And so what this means for her is that she's not attending long lunches with colleagues. She's not bantering in the halls. She's really focused in her office writing free of distractions. And I think that this can be frustrating for her at times because she's not connecting socially as much, but it is a choice that she fully owns based on her values. She's committed to both her work and her family, and one of the ways that she's chosen to fulfill that commitment 
is to be fully focused when she's in the office and that's how she's managing her writing is to you know she's saying no to the lunches because that's good writing time for her so if we think about what are the gifts of this path for her one of the gifts of this path for her is she's incredibly efficient I mean, so efficient. She's been one of the most productive faculty as a result of her focus. She's available to her family. That's certainly another gift and doesn't feel like she's missing out on their days. And it does require sacrifice. And I think that I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. So also, as as we think about this gratitude, it's really important to resist resentment so this friend could easily give in to resentment but of course we know that it would do her no good she's made this choice based on her values and resentment only drains her of precious energy that she can be using in the service of her values and so recognizing that everything is a choice everything is a choice and so choose, choose that and be free of, resent, of resentment. But it's also important to acknowledge the sacrifices. We, we want to resist resentment, but it, we do want to acknowledge the sacrifices and the challenges of your path. So making some of these sacrifices and asking others to make these sacrifices can be painful. And I think that is also a truth and a reality when you're balancing multiple roles as we see with work-life balance. So make sure you have support of others who can relate to what you are going through. So over the years, I have been part of book clubs and other of other working women, and that's been incredibly helpful. And I currently get together regularly with the ladies of my MBA program, and I love my time with these ladies. So getting support, compassion, and encouragement are essential and knowing that you are not alone can make all the difference in the world and especially when you are balancing so much it's essential that you take some time for yourself and you will absolutely have to do that you will have to take the time because no one will give it to you freely and your life is so busy and your schedule is so full that if you don't make it a priority to take that time it just won't ever happen and building in that support where where you can be vulnerable where you don't have to have it all figured out where you don't have to present the image of having this perfect balance all put together like that's essential because you you need that community and you need that support and we also want you to make peace with the fact that you will need to make sacrifices and so will those that you love and it's not the end of the world sacrifices can be very valuable especially when they are in the service of our larger values so for example and i think probably every dual career couple has examples of this but my husband has certainly made educational sacrifices for my educational 
pursuits. And of course, that has communicated very important messages, not only to me about the importance he put on my education and my professional pursuits and happiness, but it also has sent a really important message to our children that marriage is about sacrifice and that dad's career is not more important than mom's career and that this is what you do in families. You support one another. And there will be times when you need to choose the business trip over the soccer game. That will be true. And that doesn't make you a bad mom and that doesn't mean you don't value your family or that your priorities are messed up or anything like that. They will be painful decisions and sometimes they won't be painful decisions. Sometimes it'll just be like, you know what, this is just the reality and this is, this is how it goes and that will make a lot of sense to you. But you've got to have clarity about your choices being aligned with your values and then having support in your decision so that you can move forward with the assurance that you will be okay and so will your loved ones. And this can go a long way to banish guilt and judgment because like I said earlier, we don't have any time for guilt and judgment because of course you've got important things to do. Okay, so we did it. Congratulations on making it through this podcast is a big one. It's it's a big one. It's a little bit longer, but I hope it's been helpful for you as we think about work-life balance. And of course, it's not simple and it's not cut and dry as the name makes it sound, but I hope that it has been helpful for you in really inspiring you to find out what this balance can look like for you recognizing that it's very personal, it's very personal, and that that balance looks very different for each one of you. So make sure you download our freebie, The Role Balance, so you can begin mapping out what that balance and that integration can look like for you and what will work best for you. Head over to my website to check out the show notes with all the great resources I mentioned in this episode and to download your freebie of the role balance as well as my example of what my role balance looks like at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash six. One more time, that's www drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash six as in the number six and if you're liking what you're hearing on my podcast make sure you hop on over to itunes and leave us a review so other people can find us too thanks so much for your support i'm dr melissa smith remember love and work work and love that's all there is until next time take good care